All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. I'm your host, Andy, and as always, I'm here with my friend, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I, I'm okay, Andy. I, I think hanging in there is a, is an appropriate term. Uh, we're recording this, I want to say, about an hour removed from a pretty devastating uh, travesty even of a basketball game and it's been a tough week um, since the last time we talked we were riding pretty high and um, it's been a lot of darkness both literally and and if you look outside and figuratively if you follow Oregon State men's basketball. It's been a comeback down to earth road trip as the Beavers ventured to Colorado and to Arizona for three games in one week, so it was a lot of games. Oregon State lost all three, and each each way, each game I thought was kind of frustrating in its own right. Um, we're gonna break all that down, plus a bygone Beaver to cleanse your palate. But first, as always, the Oregon State fight song. Here we go. Only a little tease because we do not deserve it this week. No, it's just it's just not the time you want to be hearing it. It's not the circumstances, but you still need to do it. You can't skip it, even if you kind of want to. Yeah, it's true. The um, I don't know what game do we, we just we're recording this fresh off a very close, heartbreaking Arizona State loss. Sam, do you want to talk about that and go in reverse order and cover the Arizona games or? Do you want to start out with the Colorado massacre? Let's just get the Colorado game out of the way. All right, good call. We'll eat our veggies. Um, so Oregon State played Colorado on Monday. Um, it was a makeup game from an earlier uh, duck, COVID duck. Oregon State lost 49-78 to in a true just kind of dominating win. Never really looked close. A lot of players on Colorado had their first, uh, had their career highs in points. Joey uh, Potts got in the game for Oregon State. I don't know. That's what you need to know. That's, yeah, that um could replace like a big long summary with a lot of statistics. Or we could just tell you that Joey Potts played um a couple of minutes, I think. I mean, it d- yeah. doesn't really matter. All you need to know is that he was in the game at any point. And that's not going to be a good thing unless you're playing an NAIA school um, yeah. in which he got a dunk earlier this year. So shout outs to Joey. Yeah, he's 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 good for a walk on. He's Absolutely. Um, yeah, if you want some meaningless stats for this game, uh, here they are. Oregon State shot 18 for 55 <laughs> for the game. Colorado shot 59% in the first half to take a 40 to 27 lead. Then they opened up the second half with a 13 to two run to really push it into blowout uh, territory. And they kept the game there for the rest of the second half. Um, a couple of just notes that I had were that it was off night for the two stars of Colorado McKinley, Wright, Their point guard has been around forever and Evan Beatty. They both had really just kind of ho-hum games, but then you saw career highs from horn and Tristan Da Silva kind of continuing the trend of P. 
people getting their career highs, role players getting their career highs against Oregon State, a la Rodman at Washington State, Ryan Rapp at Washington State, Jaden Delaire at Stanford, Michael O'Connell at Stanford. The list goes on. And it's it's too long, frankly. And I don't know why, if there's an explanation for that. I don't really have one, but it's obviously extremely frustrating. And um, and yeah, Colorado's a really good team, man. I mean, I know that they lost to Cal, and um, I don't want to say that's a fluke and just throw it out completely. But it that was it was kind of. I mean, that's going to happen occasionally. A team's going to play. Um a conference team on the road and not play well. But aside from that, I think they're really, really good. And, and yeah, like you said, their two best players on paper didn't even do that well, but they're so much deeper than the Beavers. Like the, the kid Keyshawn Bartholomew, the little guard, yeah, like their ninth man. And he, he is the, the difference in talent and athleticism between him and, and the Beaver guards is pretty striking. Even Thompson. I mean, he's not as good of a player, but he's a freshman and he's really impressive, and they just, yeah, it was too much of that. Yeah, Colorado has a knack for just getting kind of big athletic bodies, just a different a different level of athlete. I think Tad Boyle's always done a good job of having athletic teams out there and bangers in the post. On that note, I do want to say I hate what they've done with Evan Beatty. So Evan Beatty, he's their other star player. He used to be the last fat player in the Pac-12. Like, and he was a big boy. And then when I saw them play on Monday, it kind of took me back because he's buff now. Like, he's not, he, he went full, he went 180. He went from fat to buff. It's not quite the transformation of Matt Bradley. Like, we had to to apologize to him after the, the first game of the season for calling him fat um, because he is jacked now. But yeah, it, and it's too bad uh, because. It was, yeah, it made Colorado very likable. Like, they've had good teams that are fun to watch, and at the center of it, quite literally, is a big fat guy. Like, how do you not support a team like that, especially when they're, like, an 8-9 seed yeah. every year, it seems like? Yeah, for sure. No, they, it was it added to their cast of characters and made them much more palatable. Watching this team now, they do look better. And I will say, Evan Beatty, you know, I'm still losing the weight and get, uh, made him a little more quick probably get some a couple extra rebounds here there a couple extra points but you know at what cost to the aesthetics of college basketball what the people come to see you know right we're not gonna sit here and as basketball fans act like we don't understand the benefit of not looking borderline obese when you play but like exactly it sure was a lot more fun and there's there's still guys out there that dude um who everyone fell in love with from two years ago at Murray State. I hope he's still mm-hmm. on the team. He's probably graduated. The dude from Florida A and M. Who? Yeah. Uh, it, if I hope, are they still playing games? We'll look. I think up. so. It's not important. Um. Okay. Yeah. So all you really need to know from the Colorado game is that Colorado destroyed the Beavers on offense, on defense, and that Evan Beatty is buff now. Pretty much. What else is there to say? They kept it close for, like, I think about eight minutes. Um, Lucas hit two early threes. Oh, I have one other thing to say about it, I guess. Okay, what is it? Tariq Silver hit two threes in the final minute of it. Yeah, Tariq, Tariq, uh, that, he has been a silver lining da, 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 on this road trip uh, because he, I think he is really coming into his own. He's, he's seeming more confident. He's getting more minutes. He's contributing more, liking it a lot. Right, and I'm, I, it, obviously it could have been the last two games and unfortunately was not, but I do think he could be 
a, a key difference in a close game that the Beavers win because of that. You know, we can go back to the final minute of that blowout and see just having it go through the net for him a couple times because it had been so long could be big and could worth big. pointing out, I thought. Definitely. Uh, moving on, Oregon State played Arizona on Thursday. This had us both nervous because Arizona, you know, uh, like we talked about earlier, they gave Wayne Tinkle one of the worst losses in his seven-year tenure earlier this year by 34 points. They It was a similar situation when they were coming off back-to-back losses when they played the Beavers that last time. They are coming off back-to-back losses again, kind of worried if they were going to get caught up in a crossfire. And Oregon State – Held it pretty close for most of the game. Made a couple of classic Beaver runs to make you think they were going to make a big push and get it all tied up, but never quite got there. Um, They ended up losing 61-70. to What are your thoughts on the game, Sam? So this game angers me the most of the three. Uh, The the blowouts are as upsetting and awful to watch as they are. I, I I think I've developed a numbness to it, kind of a callous mentally, if you mm-hmm. will, because mm-hmm. damn it, I'm going to finish the game, especially now that we, we have this podcast. I'm not going to walk away because it's upset me so much. So this one angers me a lot more, and I've given this some thought, Andy, and I want to use my words carefully, but what happened um, Thursday was a team comprised of illegally paid for through third parties, some of which have spent time in jail for their actions. Um, that has had an assistant coach go to jail for the same reason. Uh, NBA prospect, a team comprised of those players. Right. Um, received a 26 to 12 foul advantage. By my count, it was 15 to three in the second half um, and needed 23 more free throw attempts to win by by four. To win by nine. Excuse me. It. Uh, I'm sorry, I, but it was cut to four twice very, very late. Uh, right. I, I, yeah, I'm just I'm very incensed about it, clearly, that. No, yeah, it was tough. The Oregon State foul count, like you said, it was really got out of control. 26 fouls on Oregon State, 12 on Arizona, a 23 to 6 free throw difference for the game, including 14 to 1 in the second half. So they get 14 free throws to R1 in the second half. That's tough because, like you said, Oregon State did make a couple of runs and cut it to four at several different points, even though Arizona technically never trailed after the first two minutes of the game. With five minutes to go, it was 58-54 to 54 on the back of a 10-1 run by Oregon State that was capped off with a Jared Lucas, like, 30-footer and one three-pointer. He Which hits really, three-pointer. it really, yeah, at that point, I started to believe that they were going to figure out a way to do it. And we're not, you know, I'm not saying that Arizona isn't better than the Beavers. They've already beat them once. And the last thing we would have done in that first time they played is blame the refs for it. They're, they're more talented, and I'm not saying that the Beavers for sure would have won if the game had been called fairly or more accurately than it was because the Beavers aren't good enough to for me to guarantee that. But it's upsetting that we really don't know, and it, it really did seem like all three officials just did everything they could to make sure that this wouldn't be a close game at the end and that there would be no chance for Arizona to screw it up in the final minute. 
Yeah, a couple of tough to swallow calls on Warath that really helped kept him in check because when he was playing, he was huge for us on defense, just uh, rebounding with Arizona. He was really was a difference maker out there, even though he only finished with 10 and six. His impact was much bigger, but he had four fouls, a couple of them very debatable, um, very touch and go. And again, you weren't seeing a lot of Oregon State get any of those same touch calls either way. So that was very frustrating. Um, in the first half, you know, though, I got to, like you said, it wasn't like the refs were the only thing stopping this team like no one was playing well the only reason we were in the game in the first half was gianni hunt played really well i thought this was probably the best game gianni hunt's had all year in my book i don't know if it's but it's not as high in points but he came off he was aggressive he was able to handle the arizona guards he got into the paint he ended up with 12 points for the game i think he had like eight in the first half so he he was huge for us yeah, I would agree. It felt like more than 12, and his three-point shot is becoming, like, downright consistent and dependable at this point. I mean, last year he showed flashes, and he had games where he hit two or three, but it wasn't a game-to-game thing, and he's still shooting 40% on the season. Yeah, he's got such a high-arcing shot, too. It's kind of a little push from the chin. It's it's kind of funny because he's a little bit smaller guy, and it's the like type of shot you get when you're a little kid and you can't quite <laughs> get the right. ball there. But you decide that you want to start shooting and making shots from three because right. you could. And yeah, even when he you see him make one, you just don't think that's a shooter right there. <laughs> nah, but he's 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 definitely one of my favorite players on the team. I love Gianni's energy, and I think he's really playing well. He's really coming along as a sophomore. Um, Tucker and Kalu had a really tough game as the backup bigs, and I think you saw that kind of filter into the Arizona State game where neither of them got too much run, but they were a combined uh, two for ten, and it's just really tough when you take Silva and Warth off because of foul trouble, and then you bring in the backup bigs, and they're not giving you enough or as much offensive output as usual, especially with Tucker. Tucker was looking a little frustrated. He missed a couple of easy shots. I feel like normally he's much better around the rim, around the basket than he was um, against Arizona. Tucker's one of the recruits and, and, and guys on the team. It, Zach Reichel, you could say this about that. It's not that they aren't good basketball players. And Tucker has been the high man in points in, in a game or two, just one maybe. But he's mm-hmm. been in double figures a couple times. He was really good against Wyoming. But he's, yeah, against teams like Arizona, he just looks overwhelmed. And those same shots he makes aren't there. The same little reverses and stuff are, are now getting swatted away by – Benedict Mathurin or whoever. <laughs> Benedict Mathurin is sick. I don't understand how he's flying so under the radar for NBA stuff because that guy, that guy is a beast on Arizona. He's really sick. He's a freshman, right? Yeah, he's a freshman. He's for those of you who don't watch Benedict Mathurin's a freshman. He's got one of those crazy backstories um, where he's Haitian. He's a he's born in Canada of Haitian descent, and then he played basketball in Mexico City for the. <laughs> NBA <laughs> Academy down there. So he's had a really just world worldly experience to find, find his way to Arizona as an 18 year old kid. And he's yeah. a stud. That dude rules. He was the difference in the game. I mean, no, like he, he, by he far was. on Arizona. Yeah. And he had a couple of big, uh, when the Beavers got it down to five points or to four points with five minutes left, he hit a couple of big off the dribble three pointers um, that pushed it back and kind of made it too hard for them to overcome that gap and really make it a contested game. Yeah, he'll be a lottery pick. There's no way that he – it drives me crazy, too. I mean, we watch a lot of Pac-12 basketball, and there's a number of dudes that are talked about more than him. Like, he's way better than McKinley Wright. Oh, yeah, definitely way better. And and I, I know he's a senior, and it's just a talking point on these broadcasts, but they talk about 
his NBA stock constantly on all these broadcasts. It helps if the team they're playing can keep it within 30, then they can <laughs> team a little more, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they they were just really scrounging for stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, to me, Mahern is probably like the, I don't know, third or fourth best pro prospect in the Pac-12 behind, obviously, Mobley is number one. And then I'd say probably Abaji, the Washington State power forward, two off the top of my head. Maybe Duarte will have a better career than him, but I don't know. I say he's right up there with people I think could make an impact in the NBA. Yeah, any of those dudes. I mean, uh, but he. I think that no team has two guys more appealing than him, and most teams don't have any, really. Exactly. Um, do you have anything else from there? I've got a couple of random stuff I wanted to pop in, but do you have anything else? Uh, just a very frustrating game. I mean, it, I, I really do still feel validated, and, and we have a fresh game to be upset about at this point for <laughs> a whole different list of reasons uh, with a similar outcome. But I do feel validated in, in, in be, my takeaway being that the way that it was called was very, very frustrating. I did not care for the amount of times that the officials kind of gaslit Beaver Nation and got, tried to get us to turn our heads away, so to speak, from the Beaver bias. Because I thought it was on display. I do. I appreciate that. I'm going to kind of go the other way. So one of the, I have two random stuff. One of the random things that I liked is I thought the announcers did a pretty good job in – the Oregon state Arizona game, even if they were, like you said, not acknowledging the travesty that was the officiating, they had some great lines that I wrote down that I'm just going to use my everyday vernacular. And I wanted to run a couple of them by you. Yeah. Okay. So one happened, <laughs> Reichel got a uh, knocked to the ground. He was on defense. He got pushed to the ground and then an Arizona player was dribbling and he tripped over Zach Reichel and they called a foul on Zach Reichel on the ground. And he was just staring at the ref. Like he couldn't believe it. And the announcer laughed and he said, Reichel can't believe it, but, you know, he's just a victim of his own circumstance. <laughs> uh, if I, That is true. If I had a nickel for every time I was the victim of my own circumstance in this past year, I would be paying rent on time every month. At exactly. Least. exactly. So I loved that line. And then this one I liked even more. And I, I had never heard this thing before. So, uh um, shout out to the announcer. So an Arizona player was in the corner. Zach Reichel, again, flew at him. No no closeout, just flew at him. The Arizona player, uh, you could tell he wanted to pump fake, take a dribble and go lay it up. But what he did instead was he jumped in the air, realized his mistake, and tried to dribble on the way down. They called a travel. And the Arizona player was really frustrated. You know, went to a media timeout. He was, like, clapping the ball, really mad at himself. And the announcer said, well, he knew what he wanted to do there. But as we all know, Sometimes the thought doesn't leave the mind. Uh, okay, yes. Now now that I'm not in the heat of it, these are fantastic. I think that I was probably exhibiting some of my own bias. Yeah, so those are good. Because, you know, so I thought about it. It's so true. Sometimes the thought doesn't leave the mind. You know, there's been plenty of times where I know what I want to do and can't get it out. So I love that. That was poetic. Do you remember who they were? It was Ted Robinson and who else? I can't remember the other one was. I was hoping you'd come at it. You always know the announcer names. Yes, I I, tip, I think it was an old coach. I am pretty sure, which is awesome. I'd love to play for a dude that was always saying stuff like that. Yeah, that was great. And the other kind of fun fact, random stuff I wanted to point out from the Arizona game is so um, the starting point guard for Arizona, he started his first game ever against Oregon State. He's a kid named Kerr Kresa. He's from Estonia, and he's a point guard. And what I liked about him and what is interesting is that so his dad was a professional player in Estonia, and he loved Steve Kerr. It was his favorite player. 
So he named um, his son Kerr after that. And they were huge Kerr, Steve Kerr fans. And then when Arizona was recruiting them, he didn't know that uh, Kerr went to Arizona. Arizona started recruiting them, told him that Steve Kerr went there. And it was a kind of a done deal thing. He signed with them. He gets to the Arizona campus and he decides that he wants to wear Steve Kerr's old number. And to really, um, you know, honor him, he wants to wear Kerr, his first name, on the back of his jersey. And he went to Sean Miller and he asked. And Sean Miller, they asked, they were like, can we do that? They got the okay. And so he literally wears Kerr and the number on the back of his jersey, even though it's his first name. And I've never seen that happen before. But yeah, that I I don't think there will ever be a situation where where there's a 23 with Jordan on the back of UNC or something. <laughs> That and Steve Kerr really is. I mean, in my opinion, the Mike because of what he did in his NBA career, he's kind of the MJ of Arizona basketball. Some would probably disagree. There's a lot of yeah. great names to pick. Don't let Richard Jefferson hear you say that. <laughs> oh, he, he, Richard Jefferson can absolutely have that debate with me. Shane, <laughs> I, Jason Terry, who, who's on the staff now, any of them. Yeah. Um, okay, but that's all I wanted to cover. I thought that was two random stuff from the Arizona game they wanted to put out. All right, so let's move on to the devastation that was. I think this was the toughest game. I was looking back on it, and I put this right up there with UP for toughest loss, most devastating loss. Oregon State today on Valentine's Day lost to Arizona State 75-73. to And it was a heartbreaker. There's no other way to say it. Uh, yeah, truly gut wrenching. Um, this was a special kind of painful, uh, yeah, I, I would say the Arizona game makes me more angry. This one's just more hard to take because, uh, I think that the Beavers, despite really not playing well for the first 10 minutes or so, or even more than that, I thought they deserved to win. Yeah. Arizona jumped out to a really early lead. I think it was like 19 to four at the start. At one point, Oregon state couldn't hit a shot. Arizona state only had uh, seven scholarship players and you could tell they came out really fired up with kind of the us against the world mentality. And I just got to put it out there. Arizona state is my least favorite basketball team in the country, high school, college, NBA. I cannot stand the devils. Yeah. I mean, like we were talking about how, before we started recording that it's because I go through the same thing. I, this team is so hateable and they are just kids. And so they're just kids, you guys, we got to we got to preface before we go on. Let's preface that. They're just, yeah, it, there's the disclaimer. Cause here's the other thing. They're old enough to vote. They're old enough to go into a store and buy a pack of cigarettes. They're, they're old enough to, to, for me to, to say the, they're, they're very douchey. They're, they're douchebags. They're terrible. They're the most annoying team in the country. They're a bunch of like six foot two fast kids who's, you can tell the mantra that Bobby Hurley says in practices. If we foul them every single play of the whole game, they're not going to call every single foul. And, and they we act just incorrigible every single time they do blow the whistle and just put the pressure and create this environment. Yeah. yeah. It's, insane they're just talking trash constantly and then the refs and to make it worse because i thought the arizona game the foul count was crazy to me the refs were worse in the arizona state game because they fell for all of arizona state's tricks they let arizona state players mug beaver players constantly full court press just grabbing hand checking you didn't see a single hand check call the entire game despite arizona staying on oregon state's hips the whole game then they give gianni hunt a technical foul for clapping after he hits a three in Remy Martin's face, you know Remy's been in his face chirping the entire game. Right. Insane. 
the 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 flopping that that team does is is pretty shameful at one point they received a warning for it and you're right it's just the officials weren't courageous enough to after they gave the warning call the technical on it and so now they have to give these calls the the one the last one that warith got that bill yeah who loves the Beavers, by the way? He's totally always rooting for the Beavers in these he games. Loves, he loves Oregon. He, he called him out on it, though. He said that was terrible. Yeah, Bill Walton was not about these refs, and I wasn't either. They did they did a terrible job. And if you look back, that technical foul on Gianni, that was huge. That was a huge call. That really swayed the game. That, if you look at it in the long run, that was a huge call that they didn't have to do. And then just so many missed foul calls. I mean, Arizona State, they were playing good defense. They were the aggressor. But you can't let – Teams like that just mug. And me and you are both have both coached freshman basketball, so we're both used to this scenario where there's a team that shows up that just presses the entire game, fouls not all forty minutes, and the refs let it go. And your team is really at a big disadvantage because no one else plays like that. And it's just like if you're going to let them cheat, they're going to win. It's like playing the Jeff freshman team. Not that the Jeff yeah. freshman team cheats because they're just way better than everybody. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're talking about much larger with, with that team. Yeah, it's 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 not exactly the difference between winning and losing. But yeah, you're, you're at that. It's almost more frustrating because it's like we could we could be easily within 30 if you'd like <laughs> stop doing that. But um, exactly. It's just it makes it frustrating that a team that doesn't have the athletes like the Beavers is spending a lot of time trying to avoid doing the things they do on purpose. Yeah, it's. I don't know. They drive me insane. And this is, and they, they were without the players on their team that I can like. I, I like Marvin Bagley. I like uh, Jacob Christopher. I like these kind of like one and done types that get in and out of Arizona. I can take those. But once you get a player like Remy, and Ari- we should say this too Arizona State, and this is, this is common knowledge, so I don't have to preface it. That's the douchiest school in the Pac 12. Every, every those people that went to Arizona State, they're probably insufferable. Let's just be honest about it. And I do know people who went to Arizona State, and they are. Yeah, we are. They're they're the scope in which a person who not only went to Arizona State but would actively like to talk about that, in which they're fun to be around, is so small. Like, there's almost no scenario where I would welcome that. Arizona State is a pool party masquerading as a university, and their players embody that. I can just see Remy like pushing a kid into a pool. Yeah, he he for sure has, or has at least laughed maniacally after witnessing something like that. Oh, man, I could go. I think we both could go on and get a little more R-rated with the our criticisms of, of that institution. Yeah, we should probably rate it in a little bit. Well, and then it's just, it, it, I think it's a good point because the, their basketball team this year really do- it doesn't always they've had some likable teams to me over the years but yeah definitely i'm i want this i want to be clear i'm not saying i always hate arizona state teams i've liked them in the past but remy martin has got to be my least favorite player from the last four years and i i just for the one last passing shot i'm really happy that this is how his senior year's turning out more power to you remy terrific to a nicer guy yeah or, or a more classy coach i i can see Bobby Hurley Jr., why your father never decided to coach college basketball because you are proof that at that level you can run and scream and act like a like a lunatic the whole time and your team will still do very selfish things and and look like a not very well coached team that's just very talented for yeah. minutes on and at a time. Yeah, very helter-skelter. Um, on Oregon State's end, 
I want to say one thing that I thought was interesting that we saw. We saw at the end of the game, I think we should give a shout out to Rodriguez Della, who came in. I thought was really the X factor. Had two or three big dunks in the last eight minutes. Was a real inside presence. Got the game close. But one thing I want to note is that Wayne went to an all-transfer lineup with about six minutes left. Played him for three minutes, and they did really well. But he went with Stephen Thompson up top, and then he was flaked with Silver, Alatiche, Kalu, and Andela. And I thought that was the best defensive team we'd put out in a long time. If yeah, I was gonna say if they had we had won this game, we I I, I will make the correction. <laughs> uh, because at one point I think that group had an eight-one run, and if they had continued playing, well, obviously he would have finished the game with them. And so if we had won, I would have said we have to call this the the transfer game or the transfer <laughs> or something like that. It would have been very memorable. And yeah, I I, I got really excited seeing uh, them play together, like downright goosebumps. Even it was cool. It was cool to see. Um, anything else you want to take off from the game? Jared Lucas was looking, had a couple of nice shots. He had a nice little Euro step in transition. He's looking better every game. Gianni had another nice game. Ethan Thompson, I guess we should mention Ethan Thompson had a good game, but again, had another kind of signature, not clutch moment at the very end where he misses a free throw, right? Was it him taking the free throw? free throws throughout the game. I think yeah. it was probably 50%. Where Oregon State is down by two or down by one, right? No, no, no. It was two. He he got yeah, down by two. Down three. Uh, so Arizona State fouled. Right. Put him on the line for a one and one, which he did hit and then missed the second on purpose. So that one um, was by design. Cause I, and I'll say that because I could hear Wayne Tinkle yell, go get the ball, Reese. Right. So kind of telling his guys he's going to miss it. But he missed several um, throughout the game anyways. And, and given how close it was, you can't let him off the hook as a senior, in my opinion. Jared Lucas missed a free throw, too. Yeah, he got fouled and had one for two. And, again, like, they all matter, obviously, in a game that close. Yeah. So, I don't know. But Ethan Thompson, we he missed the second free throw on purpose. And Della gets the rebound. He kicks it out to Thompson. We have it with, like, 15 seconds left. And... Then um, Eddie House's son steals the ball from Tinkle. And it could, I don't know, I, in the moment, I in the replay I watched, I was like, okay, it looked like a clean steal. But in the moment, I'm yelling for a foul, 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 because they press up so much on Arizona State. I think you could have given it maybe, but watching the replay, it did look like a clean pick. I think he got it clean. And the th- there were a number of plays like that in the first half where a beaver guard, I think it was like one each just got ripped like that. Yeah, Gianni had one taken from him dribbling up. Gianni had a couple. Gianni was having a hard time with their pressure. Especially in the first half. And, yeah, in the second, they did clean it up. But, again, we I have stated or proclaimed on this podcast that Ethan Thompson might be the least clutch best player on a team in Pac-12 history. Um, and he hasn't done much since then to prove that wrong. And, again, like, you're right. I, I know Wayne would have loved to have had one more timeout. Um, than he did because they were out, obviously. Right. But still, that's who you want to have the ball in that circumstance, you would think, to make a decision. And, yeah, it, it was terrible. On the Thompson note, they did, because me and you have talked about it, wondering if people who will come back next year, because all seniors are granted an extra year of eligibility by the NCAA. 
And they talked about it, uh, Pascal and Walton, on the broadcast tonight. And they said that in their coach's corner, they asked if Ethan Thompson was going to come back next year. And uh, Tinkle said that he's going to be playing pro overseas, but that one of the other two guys might come back. So possibly uh, Reichel or Silva will suit back up again next year. Reichel, I would be uh, interested in coming back. I think he would be very helpful, especially if he would – his role would be lessened and he's willing to do that in exchange for maybe being on a better team. Silva, I, especially after tonight. Um, yeah, we, we criticized Wayne about not playing Kalu more than him. I think we can let him off the hook with Andela because of the minutes restriction, but God, can he be frustrating at times? Yeah, definitely. He, yeah, we, you mentioned it earlier. I just don't know if he's ever going to go to his left. There are plenty of times where he could have spun back and put it up a nice little left-handed hook, but it just seems like he has a hard time reading bodies. But he makes nice moves. I know he's got good touch. I know he can use either hand. I know he's got some nice face-up game. He hit free throws well. Like, his offense is there. I just – yeah, he, he leaves a lot to be desired sometimes. When he looks bad, he looks bad. Really, really bad, which is – kind of encapsulates Oregon State basketball this season, especially at times. It's uh, true. When it's bad, it's bad. When it's good, it's great. Oh, it, oh man. <laughs> um, anything else you want to talk about from the Arizona State game? I, I have two more notes. Uh, number one, I do think that the officials feel a pressure to hit certain lines, so to speak. I'm not saying that they're compromised, directly but it feels that way at times the foul that still got point one with heavy air quotes seconds left in a four-point game to give somebody an opportunity to push that score to the over was very very fishy i <laughs> very much doubt it if ethan takes that three and it pops out and he gets that rebound in a two-point game there's no way they let him get those. I'm glad they did because he's seen the ball go through the hoop a little bit more, as we've talked about. So that is worth mentioning. That'll be on Van Pelt's bad beats if you're a sports center person still. <laughs> but the other thing I, I it really needs to be mentioned is this is a trend that's going to develop over the next decade in college basketball is that these players, these former N- NBA guys, who played in the late 90s and into the like mid-2000s, are starting to have kids that are of college age more and more frequently. Right. And they are going to be insufferable. <laughs> and I am referring to Jalen. If one of those kids comes to play for Oregon State, that kid will be just cut from a different cloth. That's not who I'm referring to. <laughs> I'm referring to uh, guys like Jalen House, who... He, for, he's pretty good. I'm not talking about his game. I think he has a chance to actually be a really good player. His game could be more complete than his dad's, but he is constantly screaming and gallivanting about like, like, which, a, is, which is nothing like Eddie house. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. I mean, and if you're from it with Eddie, Eddie house, it was a lot more charming. Maybe that was just cause I was a kid. <laughs> I, there was a game. They, they blew their game with Arizona earlier this year and um that arizona scored like the final seven points in a minute do you remember this Mm -hmm. when sean miller called a timeout down six he did this stupid dance like all the way across the court that probably should have been a technical and i just remember thinking like yeah i really want them to lose now i wanted them to win 
to believe it or not at the time help the beavers in the standings <laughs> yeah that didn't age well but yeah i was just like you know what screw that we'll figure it out i yeah. really need this team to lose after seeing that that's true yeah he is insufferable like every other player on arizona state's team except for those two freshmen who sat out um but that's going to be a thing in college basketball is these like these this more recent era of nba players kids uh just being spoiled brats out there yeah definitely i think we're gonna we're heading heading towards that brave new world for sure except Uh, the ones that are gonna go to oregon state (laughs) yeah then we'll love you forever you're a saint you're an angel i will say um I did like Bobby Hurley's secret beard. At the very end of the game, Bobby Hurley pulled his mask down to say, say something, and he had a full goatee and a mustache. <laughs> so you got – I do like a secret beard in the pandemic times. Yeah, that uh, – A literal that, secret he, stash. God, he, he – I, I didn't like it on him. Granted, I'm biased. I, we are clearly not fans of Bobby Hurley on this podcast. We are not. Maybe he did that to change the mojo. Who knows? I don't – I didn't care for yeah, it's hard. It's Bobby's got a face only a mother can love. So you can dress it up however you want, Bobby, but we know who you are. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's all I had for these games. Uh, do you want to do the bygone beaver? Yeah. So uh, I thought we needed a palate cleanser for this one. And, and I kind of stumbled actually across a really good bygone beaver, I thought. So, so Andy, if, if you and I, you know, are discussing – uh, Oregon State's teams in 96, 97, and 97, 98, most people would first think of Corey Benjamin, right. right? who was a draft pick of the Chicago Bulls, famously said he could beat Michael Jordan in a game of one-on-one. He could not. It didn't go well for him. But mm-hmm. uh, legendary Beaver, Beaver guard, uh, left after two seasons. Uh, but there was another member of his recruiting class that also left after two seasons, not to go to the NBA, but to transfer to Minnesota by the name of John Blair, or better known as J.B. Bickerstaff, <laughs> who was the son of a NBA coach, Bernie Bickerstaff of the Charlotte Bobcats, a number of teams over the years, um, very successful career. Uh, J.B. played for Eddie Payne at Oregon State, started every game of his sophomore year, and um, transferred after. I can't tell you why exactly i can just assume it was because those teams were just awful (laughs) with Corey benjamin leaving yeah i i don't blame him for making that decision he had even better numbers as junior and senior seasons at minnesota but what he is doing now is he is the head coach of the cleveland cavaliers that's right well, that's good okay. to know. I, I had no idea J.B. Bickerstaff played for Oregon State. That's crazy. I that was a fact I had to be reminded of. Actually, yeah i i was a I had forgotten why I I got way into the Houston Rockets, <laughs> like several years ago when they were like scraping into the playoffs and still hoping Harden was going to work out, and because he had taken over. As what you were, head coach. you were just really invested in Terrence Jones or something like that at the time. Yeah, they're oh yeah, the team that famously won a playoff game against the Warriors, and it might have been to like keep their season alive to like make mm-hmm. it fun. And Terrence Jones and someone else on the bench looked like sad when the buzzer <laughs> went in. Yeah, or else they would prefer to have bitten. I'll always remember that little video clip of uh, yeah, it's Terrence Jones, somebody else, and then Clint Capella, like when he's a rookie, and James Harden hits like a crazy three pointer to send it to overtime and. 
Clint Capella like puts his hands in the air like a little kid and is like yelling and like starts running over. And Terrence Jones looks like someone just kicked his dog right in front of his face. <laughs> it's almost like he had money on it or something. It probably wasn't that. It's just that he genuinely you know wanted the season to be over with. Right. Uh, okay, that's funny. Nice. That's a good bygone beaver. Yeah. So so show a little love in your hearts, bla- the for those of us that are Blazer fans as well to the the Cavs the rest of this season. Good luck to JB. Yeah, JB Smooth. Love him. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been our show, the Peyton Years. Oregon State plays um, Utah on Thursday and then has another game against Colorado on Saturday. The Utah game will be big because we're tied. We're not tied with them. We're technically like a half game below them in the stands uh, right now for kind of the best of the worst bad teams. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's clearly like – a top two thirds and just bottom third kind of developing, or maybe it's like a top seven and bottom five. Yeah. It's like pop. There's definitely pop six, bottom, bottom five. And then one team that Oregon state's trying to be, to be the true middle class of the PAC 12. Absolutely. And this, yeah, this is, this game is kind of to be the king of that pack, or at least I would say so. I know Washington state probably might argue that they're a part of it. They're not. This will be a good game to see because you'll get a battle of, A, it's a rematch from uh, last year when Oregon State, Jared Lucas hit a game-winning three versus uh, Utah in the start of uh, the Pac-12 tournament. B, you get a little battle of the two best kind of run-and-gun shooters in the Pac-12. You get Jared Lucas versus Alonzo Plummer for Utah. That'll be a fun little matchup. Yeah, they're a very similar team to the one they are, they or they were a season ago, and obviously we we remember that game very well. Uh He's very Alfonso Plummer, um, but he is very fun to watch. He's very dangerous. He's the he's the only other dude in the conference on Lucas's level. Yeah, shooter. They're interesting because they are, like you said, like pretty much the same team, except that their best player, Timmy Allen, just like I feel like got a lot worse this year. Like he does not look like he did last year. He probably wishes he would have been a lottery pick, and he might still be. And he I, he's had his moments, but yeah, it's been a very disappointing season for him and for them as a team. I would think. In my eye. I... <laughs> We we always declare people lottery picks on this podcast. We're like you do, <laughs> I think I do it more. Um, <laughs> yeah, bias. Timmy Allen, uh, Timmy Allen. Yeah, shout out to him. I like his brother uh, Teddy Allen, who's found his way to uh, Nebraska despite having a very uh, sketchy past, and he's leading the Big Twelve in steals. I want to say so. Shout out to the Allen Bros. Oh hell yeah, that yeah that Nebraska team is is like on the Beavers level of hard to watch at times too. So that's dope that he's playing well for them. Yeah, he is. And I honestly, it's funny. Maybe I'm just attracted to bad college basketball teams because I love the Nebraska team this year. I know they're terrible, but I love, uh, again, I can't even think of his name right now, but they're like six, nine power forward who brings the ball up the court for Fred Hoiberg. For some reason, he's like their point guard and he's like a traditional pass first point guard. And he brings the ball down, passes it and then goes like into the post and just starts the offense like that. Pretty interesting. Just to just to do something different, yeah. Fred Hoiberg is trying to get guys to the league. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Um, any shout-outs before we head out? Oh, uh, no! I just thank you, everybody listening. I thought I had one, but uh, it's it's been a tough week. I'm sure I did. I'm sure I'll think of it in 20 minutes. But so yeah, just shout out to all the Peyton heads. Uh, keep sticking with us. I'll I'll shout Seth out because he clearly had taken a break from actually watching <laughs> the games for a little while, but he, he definitely was along there for the ride for that second half with us. And uh, 
yeah, it's tough. But so thank you to Seth. That gave me some hope. That gave me some energy. Stick with this team, Peyton Heads. Um, Stick with this team. They're really fun to watch. I can't stress it enough. Even with, even with some of these tough losses, they're really fun to watch. I also like that we're not – we don't need to preview the Colorado game. We've, we've seen them. <laughs> we have a feel, I think, for how that's probably going to go. So let's go get Utah and then go from there. Yeah, let's go get Utah and go from there. Go be forever. And as always, fuck the Ducks. Fuck the Ducks.